Thank you for joining New Life Fellowship Podcast today. We are a church desiring to expand the kingdom of God by making disciples. We pray that this message inspires you, build your faith, and hope that it will give you perspective to see that our God is moving in your life. Hope you enjoyed the message. Hey, New Life Fellowship. Uh, Happy Easter to all of you. Uh, Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm just so glad that you decided to wake up this morning uh, and to turn us on. So thank you so much for joining us. I hope you're enjoying this Easter Sunday so far. Isn't this such a bizarre season to be in? Right? We're celebrating Easter at home. And if you're like me, you grew up at church, and uh, this is your first Easter, uh, not with the people of God. And so a little bit strange, but we're just so glad for modern technology and the ability to worship online. So thank you so much for joining us. Uh, well, today we are concluding this two-part series that we began in Good Friday uh, with the story of Peter actually betraying our Lord Jesus Christ. And in this story, what we'll see is actually the Apostle Peter uh, being re-welcomed into his role as a disciple. And so if you have your Bibles, turn with me to John chapter 21. We're going to be looking at verses 1 to 19. All right, John chapter 21, uh, verses 1 to 19. I'm going to be reading from the English Standard Version. uh, And so if you have that version uh, with you on your Bible apps or with you uh, in your homes, please turn there with me. John chapter 21, this is quite a long passage, so do bear with us as we read this together. This is the reading of God's Word. After this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, and he revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. They said to him, We will go with you. They went out and got into a boat, but that night they caught nothing. Just as the day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, Children, do you have any fish? They answered him, No. He said to them, Cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. So they cast it, and now they were unable to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved therefore said to Peter, It is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard it, heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work, and he threw himself into the sea. The other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land. But about a hundred yards off, when they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire in place, with fish laid out on it, and bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them and and so with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus was revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. When he had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, Do you love me? 
And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. This is the word of the Lord. Let's go ahead and let's pray. Lord Father, we thank you so much for this Resurrection Sunday. We are so thankful that Jesus is not dead, but he's alive and well, and that he is still working in this world. And though, Lord, we know that um, we cannot see, we may not be able to see physically with our eyes uh, what it is that he is actually doing in this world. Lord, we know that we can trust and we can uh, actually give over control to Jesus because, Lord, we know that he is the king of the universe and that everything is in his hands. So, Lord, we pray for peace. We pray for comfort during this tremendously difficult time. Lord, we ask that your Holy Spirit help us to learn. And Lord, we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, so today we only really have two points for you, okay? The first point is out of control, out of control. And the second point is in peace. Okay, so out of control and in peace. So let's dive into our first point. Uh, you know, linguists will oftentimes tell you uh, that uh, language is actually very indicative of a people. And so if you study the language of a people, you can actually tell what they value in their society and culture. And one of the idioms that we have here in the West goes something like this. Uh, getting out of hand. Getting out of hand. So you might say this situation is getting out of hand. This person is getting out of hand. And one internet website puts it like this. They're kind of describing what this idiom actually means. And it says something like this. The situation or person has now become impossible to manage or control. And what's oftentimes associated with this idiom getting out of hand is this idea of stress, anxiety, fear, and worry. And the reason why I'm pointing this out for us today is because here, at least in America, what we see is that the less control you have, the more anxiety you should have. The less and less control you have, the more and more anxiety you should have. And yet this is absolutely uh, out of sync with what the Bible has to say. Uh, oftentimes we actually believe that the more control you have in this life, the more peace you can have. And the reason why we come to this conclusion about peace and control is because when we don't have control, we actually feel no peace. In fact, this pandemic has probably left you feeling like you are out of control and has felt you leaving, uh, leaving you feel with a lot of uncertainty in this life. And so because you have uncertainty, because you don't have control, you are feeling so much more uneasiness in your life. You are feeling so much less peace. In fact, you might be feeling a lot of stress and anxiety. For example, uh, you used to work really hard and your hard work used to pay off. Uh, in fact, if you worked hard, you got to keep your job and you actually got promotions. But now in this economy, no matter how hard you work, you cannot stop your business or your boss from putting you on furlough, from, from 
from actually uh, firing you or for releasing you because the economy is just so horrible. Uh, another thing is maybe you're at home with your kids and you're unable to control your kids. Uh, and in fact, un your inability to control your kids is leaving you unable to actually control your own schedule, thus more anxiety, less peace. Uh, you might feel out of control because you are unable to understand when you should buy or sell your stocks. Uh, when is the bottom? When is the top? How, what are all of these things? And so you are left uh, feeling a lot of anxiety because you feel out of control. Or maybe for some of you, you are staying awake late at night pondering all of these different things in your mind and wondering when will this pandemic end? I don't know. There's so much uncertainty in your life. Now, if you're there, in our passage today, Peter is actually in very much a similar boat as to us. See, Peter has sort of lost control over his life, and he's trying to regain that control. What do I mean? Uh, well, in Matthew chapter 28, Jesus gives us a clue. Uh, in Matthew chapter 28, in that Great Commission passage, he actually reveals to us that he tells the disciples, after he's raised from the dead, he actually tells his disciples to go wait for him on a mountain, on a specific mountain in Galilee. Well, instead of doing that, look at what happens in John chapter 21, verse 3. Instead of the disciples waiting for Jesus, because they didn't know how long, to wait for Jesus. They didn't know if it'd be a month. They didn't know if it'd be two months, three months, four months, a year. And so what does Peter do in verse 3? Let's look at verse 3. It says, Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. They said to him, we will go with you. What's happening here is in the ancient world, fishing was never a hobby. No one ever fished just for fun. Fishing uh, was a vocation. It was a job. And so what Peter is basically saying is, I'm not going to wait for Jesus any longer. I'm going to go back to my regular 9 to 5. I'm going to try to grab some semblance of control over my life. Uh, during these times of uncertainty, our first inclination is to try to grasp any sort of control that we might have in our lives. Um, you know, I've heard this a phrase thrown around, but this seems to be sort of the model, but this is the busiest, unbusy season. Um, you, you might be furloughed, you might, but what not, but, you, you, but you're finding yourself so busy, even in this unbusy season, and the reason why is because you're constantly trying to grab control of this situation. But look at what happens, okay, when Jesus enters the picture. Jesus ends up taking control. And see, this is what happens when you become a Christian, and this is why you can actually find solace in this time. It's because when you become a Christian, when Jesus enters your life, you actually lose complete control. And this is what the Bible tells you. You actually don't need control to have peace because when you become a Christian, when Jesus enters into your life, you actually lose all your control. Look with me at the passage once again. Look at verse 6 here. Right? It says this, a Cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. Okay? Look at verse 10. Uh, Jesus says, bring some of the fish that you have just caught. Uh, look at verse 12. Come and have breakfast. Look at verse um, 15, 16, and 17. He says, feed my lambs. Tend my sheep. Uh, uh, feed my sheep. And then at the very end, in verse 19, he says, feed, uh, he says come, follow me. Uh, and when you become a Christian, what you, what you have is when Jesus enters your life, what Jesus will do is he will begin commanding you. Look at what happens. Jesus, Peter thinks he's in control. He's trying to gain control of his life back. As soon as Jesus enters, he loses all control. Jesus is telling him what to do. Jesus is commanding him. Come, uh, go fishing. Hey, cast your net. Come and have breakfast. Uh, feed my sheep. Tend my lambs. Follow me. Jesus will end up telling you what to do. In fact, when you become 
a Christian, we oftentimes use this term. You surrender your life to Christ, meaning this. You give up control to him. You're saying, Jesus, you are the captain, uh, captain of the ship. Jesus, you are the shepherd, and I am simply going to follow you. The more of a Christian you become, the bigger of a Christian you become, actually the more and more control you lose in your life. Okay, look at verse 18 with me. Here's the culmination. Here's the climax of everything that's happening here. Verse 18, Jesus says this. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. See, Jesus here is using a wisdom statement to actually say something prophetic over Peter's life. He's saying, Peter, one day you're actually going to die a crucifixion death similar to me. And yet at the same time, Jesus is also giving us wisdom to every single person who's reading this. And he's basically saying this, look, the deeper and deeper you follow me, the more and more control you will lose over your life. And he, and he sort of links this together with what happens to our physical bodies as we get older. See, the older and older you get, the more and more control you actually lose over your body. Do you realize that? Right? Uh, for those of you who are older folks, you understand this, right? Uh, one of the first things to go is you actually begin losing control over your skin, right? You want your skin to be up and tight, uh, but your skin says, no, I'm going to go down and I'm going to be saggy. Uh, another thing you lose control over is your bladder. Uh, you don't want to lose control over your bladder, but that's what happens. You lose control over your hearing. You lose control over your sight. In fact, you lose control over your body. You wish you could play basketball like you used to, but you can no longer do those things. Why? Because you are slowly losing control over your body. And Jesus is saying, just like when you get old and you lose control over certain parts of your body, when you become a Christian, you actually start losing control over your life. Why? Because I'm going to start controlling you. I'm your commander-in-chief. I'm your king. I'm your Lord. And you will follow me wherever I tell you to go. And so this is why Christians are in a perfect position for this season where we feel like we have no control. Because we never had control to begin with. When you became a Christian, you said that you would surrender your entire lives over to Jesus Christ. That's the bottom line. Look, let's look at the passage once again. Peter is a sinner. Peter is um, uh, deserving of the punishment of Jesus Christ. Why? Because you remember in our Good Friday sermon, what did we say? Peter uh, ends up backstabbing Jesus. He ends up betraying Jesus. He ends up actually denying Jesus three times before the rooster crows twice. And Peter is a sinner here. He lost the trust of Jesus Christ. And yet, look at what our Savior and our Lord does for Peter. He actually treats him with kindness. I mean, my goodness, he feeds him breakfast. He, he has hot, a hot fire and he has fish cooking over. He's like, Peter, come eat dinner. Come eat breakfast, I mean. Come eat with me. I mean, this is such an amazing picture of our Lord Jesus Christ. Before his resurrection, he was kind. After his resurrection, he's kind. I mean, this is the heart of our Lord and Savior. In addition, Jesus uh, is essentially forgiving Peter during this passage. And in some sense, Jesus is reinstituting Peter as a disciple. If you remember in Luke chapter 5, uh, this is where Peter actually first becomes a disciple. And the, when, when Peter first becomes a disciple, it's almost eerily similar to what's happening here. Peter is fishing. He can't catch fish. Then he meets Jesus. And all of a sudden, he catches this massive amount of fish. And Jesus is sort of reenacting this. And he's reenacting this to say, look, Peter, though you betrayed me, I'm going to reinstitute you now as a disciple. 
And what Jesus is saying to us in this passage is this. If you want to become a Christian, if you want to become my disciple, it requires only one thing. And that is this. Love me. Love me and follow me. Right? If you look at how, Peter, how Jesus reinstitutes Peter, he actually goes ahead and asks him three separate times the very, very same question. Do you love me, Peter? Do you love me? Do you love me? And Jesus is essentially saying that this is the one task that Christians have, is we are not to control the environment around us, but really we are to only focus in on one thing. Do you love Jesus? Do you love Jesus with all of your heart, mind, and soul, so much so that you are willing to follow him? And you see, this is a Christian's responsibility. See, let me, let me phrase it still another way for you, okay? The only thing the Bible tells us to have control over is actually self-control. Is the ability to control you. Uh, meaning this, whether there is chaos, whether there is panic, whether the seas are raging and the mountains are actually crumbling into the ocean, uh, even though the world is being ripped apart, it tells us that you as a Christian are not to control all of these different things, but you as a Christian are simply to control yourself. And when you have self-control, you are able to focus in on one thing, which is this, to love Jesus, to follow Jesus. Jesus. You know, in Psalm chapter 23, verse 1, is a very famous psalm, and it's actually a psalm of peace. And look at what David says at the very beginning of this psalm. He says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And what David is telling us here is that if you want to have contentment, if you do not want, right, if you, if you want to have peace, all you have to do is one thing. Not two things, not three things, not four things, just one thing. And that is simply focusing on the fact that your Lord Jesus Christ is your shepherd and all you have to do is follow him. See, the Bible calls us only to control one thing, and that's our self-control. You can't control the seas. You can't control nature. You can't control the stock market. You can't control this virus. You can't control how long this virus goes for. All you can do is control yourself. And if you want to have peace, it begins not with controlling your, your external circumstances. It begins by simply controlling you. Controlling who it is that you love and who it is that you follow. Uh, you know, I read a New York Times article very recently entitled this, The Coronavirus Could Cause a Child Abuse Epidemic. And listen to what this author, Nina Argawal, says. Uh, she's a child abuse pediatrician. And listen to what she says. She says this, uh, When there is a household dysfunction, domestic violence, parental substance abuse, or a mental disorder, the risk of child abuse goes up, and there's a reason to believe all of these things will increase during this pandemic. In other words, what she's saying is this. She's predicting that there will be an increase of parental substance abuse along with child abuse. And here's the thing. The funny thing about us is this. When we feel out of control, when we feel stressed, when we feel uh, out of control, what we do to calm our hearts is to actually lose self-control. 
It is to lose self-control. So we take substances like alcohol or drugs to begin inhibiting our self-control. And yet the Bible calls us to do the exact opposite. During times of chaos, if you want to have peace, it is to actually have self-control. It is not to try to control the external things of life, but to actually control your inward self. And that is simple, to follow Jesus and to love Jesus. And the thing that Jesus tells us, there's really one command that Jesus gives us, and it's simply this. Tend to my sheep. Feed my sheep. In other words, love people. Your simple goal as a Christian is to give up all external control and yet control yourself and simply love Jesus and love the people around you. And you can do this whether you're rich, whether you're poor. You can do this whether you're weak or whether you're strong. You can do this whether you have an abundance or very little. You can have self-control in the face of anything in this world. This is why Paul was able to have contentment in the midst of prison because he understood, look, I'm not going to try to control my external circumstances, but what I can control is what is inside of me, and that is simply to love Jesus and to love the people around me and to continuously care and to tend for those people. This leads us to our second point, okay, in peace, in peace. Now, here's an objection, okay? Okay, I get it, I get it. But how can I trust Jesus? How should, why, why? What evidence is there for me to trust Jesus and to give him control over my life? How do I know he's trustworthy? How do I know if I surrender to him that I'll be in good hands? And here's my answer to that. It's because of the resurrection. It's because of the resurrection, let me give you uh, a simple illustration of this. Uh, you know, my son once, Josiah, he's two and a half years old. Uh, before this whole pandemic thing broke out, he was watching his favorite show, uh, which is called Octonauts. And he was watching this show, and I was um, wanting to take him to this uh, place that he really loves to go, which is called Platorium. And if you're unfamiliar with this place, it's actually an indoor playground that's located inside of Alderwood Mall in Linwood. So I told Josiah, hey, I want to take you to the Platorium, but he wouldn't listen to me. He didn't want to um, get himself off of the TV because he was very comfortable where he's at, and I was asking him to basically go on this journey with me. And so what I did as a parent was I took out my phone, and I scrolled through my pictures and my videos to a place where I remember uh, actually having uh, images and videos of Josiah playing in the Playtorium from before. And so what I did is I showed him the end goal. I showed him, look, Josiah, here's where daddy wants to take you. Here's the ultimate end goal. And once I showed him the videos of him playing inside of the Playtorium, he immediately said, oh, okay, I'll go, I'll go, I'll go on this journey with you, I'll stop watching TV, I'll make myself uncomfortable to go on this journey with you simply uh, because I know what the end goal is all about. See, uh, the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 20 says this, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. And what the Apostle Paul is basically telling us here is that Jesus Christ has showed us the end game. When Jesus Christ was raised from the dead, when Jesus Christ enacted resurrection, when Jesus Christ died on a cross and was raised again, he was actually showing us our very future, which is that this is what we can all look forward to is resurrection. 
We don't have to be afraid of death. We don't have to be afraid of the end. Why? Because Jesus Christ shows us, look, this is the end. The end is a resurrection where you will be embodied uh, in a place where there are no more tears, where there are no more pandemics, where there is no sickness, where there is no disease, where there is no cancer, where there is no more death, where there is no more sorrow, where there is joy everlasting. And he says, look, you can trust me. Why? Because of the resurrection. Because here's the end goal here's the end game see the reason why we can trust Jesus is because he is trustworthy because he shows us look here is the end game now here's another objection how do I know the resurrection is real how do I know how do I believe this what 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 evidence is there now here's the thing before I jump into the evidence of the resurrection very quickly uh, what, what you have to first note is that if the resurrection is real you cannot leave that alone see the resurrection is such powerful news that it will change your entire life the resurrection is designed to change your entire life why because if Jesus did indeed die on a cross if he indeed did raise from the dead that means his claims as both fully God and fully man are absolutely true which makes the entire Bible true which makes our whole faith true see everything hinges upon the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ and so if the resurrection is real your life cannot stay the same you must surrender your life over to Jesus and listen the, the, the writer of this gospel, John, also wrote a letter called First John. He planted a church and he wrote this letter to them because one of the things that was arising in the church was doubt. Uh, uh, people started doubting the resurrection of Jesus. People started doubting whether or not Jesus Christ really did die on a, on a cross for their sins. And so John writes this letter and if you look at the very first few verses of this, verses 1 and 2, John comes right out the gates. He comes really hot. And you can't really see this in the English. English translation, but if you look at the Greek translation, it's a run-on sentence. John is just like hot. He's, he's coming out hot, and look what he says. He says, he says this, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and have touched with our hands, concerning the word of life, the life was made manifest, and we have seen it, and testified to it, and proclaimed to you the eternal life, which was with the Father, and was made manifest to us. He says this emphatically. Look, I've seen him. you got to trust me on this. Look, it's kind of like this. Imagine this, okay? Imagine you run into your favorite celebrity, okay? For me, it's Conan O'Brien, one of my favorite talk show hosts. I love him, and if I ran into him in the streets, I'd be excited. But imagine one day I come to you and I say, oh my gosh, I, I ran into Conan O'Brien. I had a conversation with Conan O'Brien. In fact, he invited me over to his table, and he asked me to eat with him. And, and man, I'm telling you, and, and all of a sudden you say, uh, Eric, I, I don't believe you. I don't believe you met up with Conan. Well, what, 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 what do I do? Well, maybe if I have technology, I'll show you a selfie that I took with him. Right? But imagine if you live in John's day where there's no technology, where there's no selfies, where there's no tracking right, with iPhones or whatever. Right? You, have no, you, you would do what John did. You'd be like, I don't know what else to say to you. I saw him. Like, I saw him die on a cross. I saw him bleeding to death. I, I watched him being buried. And then I saw him raised back to life. 
And, and see, the, the apostles did not hallucinate because Jesus appeared not only to one, but he, he didn't appear to them in private. He appeared to them publicly. For example, in this story, there's numerous disciples. In fact, there's seven disciples in all, and Jesus appears to them all at the same time. There's no such thing as this kind of mass hallucination here. Jesus appears to them all together, and not only that, but the story tells us that this is the third time that Jesus has appeared to them. And in fact, if you read 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 6, Paul says this, Then he appeared, that's Jesus, to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. And again, Paul is actually uh, uh, driving up against these doubts that Jesus Christ has risen from the dead. And he's saying, look, if you doubt it, look, there's 500 men who have seen this. I'm not even counting the women and the children, in fact, because women and children, their testimonies were not permissible in court. So Paul just says, look, 500 brothers have seen them, most of them who are still alive. Some have died, but most of them are alive. If you want to know, go talk to them. They're still alive. They've seen him. They interacted with him. Friends, this is the greatest type of evidence you could have in the ancient world. The greatest type of evidence to substantiate any claim was eyewitness testimony. And there you have it. You have 500 brothers all at the same time seeing the Lord Jesus Christ. Eyewitness testimony. Look, I know things are not going the way you planned them. I know things are not going the way you planned them. And I know you feel out of control. But you have to understand there is an end game. And that end game is resurrection. And that this end game of resurrection allows you to rest your hearts in Jesus Christ. Allows you to give surrender and control over to him. Because no matter what's happening in your life right now in this current circumstance, you know the trajectory that the Lord Jesus Christ has for us. That there is one day where there will be no more disease, no more poverty, no more sadness, and no more sorrow. But we will all be raised with Jesus Christ in joy and in love all together. Look, if you are not a Christian here today, would you consider becoming one? Surrender to Jesus. And if you want to surrender to Jesus, it's very, very simple. You don't have to go out and do a bunch of good works. You don't have to go out and start uh, doing all these good works to make up for all of the sins that you've done. The Lord Jesus Christ says, look, as long as you place your faith in me, as long as you come in repentance of your sins, I will forgive you. I will wash you clean. And you can have the same resurrection that I have shown all of these disciples if you simply place your faith in me. And if that's you, I want you. I want you to say a prayer with me. And this prayer is not the end of it all. That's not the end of the journey. This is simply the beginning of this journey. And so if today you want to become a follower of Jesus, please, would you bow your heads with me? Would you pray this very, very simple prayer of faith and repentance with me in Jesus Christ? Let's pray together. Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I am a sinner and I ask for your forgiveness. I believe you died for my sins and rose from the dead. I turn from my sins and I invite you into my heart and into my life. I want to trust you. I want to follow you as my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And in Jesus' name we pray, amen.
Look, if you said this prayer today, we are so glad. And we just want to give you a round of applause. We welcome you into the kingdom of God. And as a Christian today, what we want you, what we want to ask you to do is to simply click the button below you. There's a live prayer button below you. And I want you to tell our pastors that you've just received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And we would love to follow up with you, to be praying with you, and to give you directions for your next steps. And so if you go ahead and press that button and you want to chat with one of our pastors, we would love to hook you up with what we call a discipler. And this discipler will actually walk with you through and teach you the basics of Christianity. And we would love to do this with you, so please do not hesitate. Click that button. If you're watching this on YouTube at a later time, please go ahead and email info at seattlenewlife.org. Go ahead and info, info at seattlenewlife.org, and we would love to pray with you. We would love to pray for you, and we would love to walk you through the next steps of how to actually be a Christian in this life. And so, friends, I invite you uh, to please go ahead and communicate with us to let us know how you're doing. But at this time, let me pray for us. Lord, Father, we thank you. We're so thankful for Jesus Christ. We're so thankful for his blood shed upon the cross. But Lord, we are eternally grateful that the grave did not hold him down, that death did not conquer him, but he conquered death. He conquered the wages of sin by raising up from the dead and giving us a picture of what the end will look like. Lord, that we will be raised up once again. Lord, that we will be with you in love and joy. And Lord, may that encourage our hearts today, especially during this pandemic, especially during this time. Lord, we pray and we ask that you would encourage us with your resurrection and your resurrection power today. Lord, we pray for all of those new believers here today. Lord, we ask that you would guide them. Lord, we ask that you would make yourself more real to them. We pray and we ask that you would help them to experience your love and your grace here today. Lord, we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. At this time, would you rise for the benediction? And if you don't know what a benediction is, it just means a good word. Uh, and today, what we want you to leave this service with is simply this. We want you to leave knowing the power of the resurrection is absolutely real. And you can place your whole faith and your whole trust. And you can give all control over to Jesus Christ. And if you do, you will have peace, friends. All right, so here now the benediction. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father Almighty, and the fellowship of His Holy Spirit be with us all now and forevermore. Amen. Well, happy Easter. I hope you guys enjoy your day, and we'll see you here next week.